Welcome to the broadcast today. I'm Pastor Curtis Hutchinson here in my office at Crossway Church. We stream live these broadcasts now every Friday morning, cross time with Pastor Curtis. We're in the, in the book of 2 Timothy. This will be session four today in chapter three. Grab your Bibles, get ready to follow along with us. Looking forward for uh, having uh, Pastor Scotty Williams this weekend. He'll be here, uh, we'll be uh, broadcasting live in the morning in the studio from 10 till lunch. And uh, be sure and tune in for that on the Pastor Curtis Facebook page live. And he will also be ministering here uh, tomorrow night at 6 p.m. and, of course, 10 a.m. on Sunday morning. So uh, just be sure and be here with us. And uh, you can tune in live or you can come if you're living anywhere in this region and come and be a part of this great uh, message of the cross, this great focus on the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. You will be blessed. Again, today our study is in uh, 2 Timothy chapter 3. This is session 4. We'll begin in verse 8 today and kind of hang out right here around this particular verse. Uh, this is a letter, of course, from Paul the Apostle to Timothy and the church there in Ephesus. And if you and I take it personal as we should, it's also to us for uh, our help, for our uh, better picture of what will be going on in these last days, these perilous times. We won't be confused. We won't be shocked. We will uh, be able to <clears throat> know what's going on, why it's going on, and where it's all headed to. And so I'm thankful for God's Word today like never before. My, my heart grows each day <clears throat> with more thankfulness toward the Lord for giving us His Son, His Spirit, His written Word that we might have the knowledge of the truth. And that is uh, a little bit about what we'll be discussing today, the knowledge of the truth, those who actually have it and uh, their lives are not going to be like what's written about here in this third chapter of 2 Timothy. Let's look at verse 8 this morning and I believe the Lord is going to import to us today that which we need in our hearts, that, would, that which would pierce through some of the hazy areas, that which would uh, bring us confidence and a greater trust in Him, uh, a greater picture of what we have in Christ even in the midst of latter days, perilous times that are growing more and more dark and evil all around us and that we don't get caught up in all that. Oh, with the legitimate excuses as to why we are. No, we don't get caught up in that and we don't start uh, calling uh, people who are not getting caught up and entangled in all that, people who are just putting their head in the sand. Hallelujah. It looked like Jesus was doing just that when he was on his way to Calvary. Well, he needs to speak up for himself. Well, he needs to show another great work. No, the great work was for him to go to the cross and, uh, and to pay the price for our sins. And I'm telling you, when you're living in the victory and the power of the Holy Spirit, listen, a lot of people are not going to understand it. Because and, the, and the, the reason they don't understand it is because they are, what we're about to read about today, they are resisting the truth that you are following. Following the way of truth is going to be so far backwards from this world and its expectations, even most of the church today. I mean, if you think about Paul and his ministry, at the very end of his life he writes this letter to Timothy 
And in, 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 in this last letter, he tells Timothy, I believe it's in chapter 1, verse 15, you know, Timothy, that all those in Asia have turned away from me. This message, if ever brought into the church, as it has been occasionally throughout the years, just a spot here and a, a spot there, it, it pretty much immediately falls to the wayside. And the reasons are various. But you and I are called to hold this light, hold this truth of Christ and Him crucified till the end of our days or the resurrection, whichever one comes first. Because without the knowledge and the focus of the cross of Christ, the truth is unobtainable. The truth is unattainable without the knowledge of the cross of Jesus Christ. For it is not just God's words that are truth for sure. But it is the blood of Jesus that allows God's words to be truth to our hearts. Only faith in the cross allows the Holy Spirit to apply the written truths in God's word. Because the scriptures are about Christ. And they're about who he is and what he would provide through his work at Calvary. We need never forget that. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 8, Now as Johnny's and Jambres withstood Moses, so do these, these we've just read about in verses 1 through 7. <clears throat> All the list of these heady, high-minded lovers of self, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God. We just read these. Now as Johnny's and Jambres withstood Moses, so do these also resist the truth. The list of what we just read takes place in the lives, whether they're lost and undone without Christ or they've been saved. It don't matter. Where the truth is resisted, folly is present. Where the truth is resisted, corruption exists. Where the truth is resisted, the grace of God is frustrated. And that word means denied, set aside. You need to understand that. Let's read this again. And we, and we remember who Johnnes and Jambres were. They were the magicians of Pharaoh that threw their staffs down and turned into snakes. And of course Moses had thrown his down and it turned into a serpent and his ate up theirs. The power of God. The devil can't stand against Jesus who he is and what he did at Calvary. Matter of fact, the Bible teaches in Colossians 2 that Jesus made an open show, publicly, open show of all principalities and powers triumphing over them in his cross. Someone the other day sent me a message telling me that the cross was a place of defeat. And he didn't mean it in the way Colossians 2 writes about it. He meant it in that Jesus was defeated. It's that word of faith, demonic, false doctrine that says Jesus had to go to hell to really finish the work. He, he really didn't finish the work at Calvary. See, that's that same old live Satan. Did God really say? Oh, yes, he, dearly, he really declared from the cross in the person of his son it was finished. Hallelujah. Glory to God. You need to remember that. 
The cross was a place of defeat for sure, but it was Jesus in his humble act of obedience unto death, defeating the devil and all the principalities and powers. The cross, for those who have eyes to see and ears to hear, was the place where Jesus triumphed over all of them, even taking the power of death away from the devil in his own death. Hebrews 2.14, if you're a Bible believer, you'll let all that other junk go because that other junk is of those who are resisting the truth. Now as Johnny's and Jambres withstood Moses, so do these also resist the truth. Men of corrupt minds, reprobate, that word means disapproved concerning the faith. They're disapproved. They're not approved of God. Listen, if you've been born again, that doesn't mean that your actions are approved of God. doesn't mean what you're believing now is approved of God. So many Christians think that at least we're believing something. That's not of God. That statement is not of God. There's only one thing God has given us to believe and that's His Word in the person of His living Word and what His Son, the living Word of God, did for us at Calvary. Outside of that, it's that mindset the devil brings in and it causes us to resist the truth. Did God really say? Well, at least we're believing something. Well, people... Hell is full of people who believed something. We've got to be careful. We, it's the truth. We, we need to say something this morning. Nobody can be born again, saved from their sins or the wrath to come, unless they've acknowledged the truth. Jesus is the truth. He declared that to us in John 14 and 6 and declared that if you know the truth... The truth will make you free. And he's talking about there in John 8 and 32, free from sin, free from the power of sin. Not just forgiven, but free from the power of sin. Listen, when, when you come under grace through faith in Christ and Him crucified, which is the acknowledging of the truth, you're no longer under law. And the dominion of sin, the sin nature, no longer dominates you now because you're not under law but under grace, Romans 6, 14. And, and just because you and I are born again, we've been, we have been approved of God in Christ Jesus through our faith in His work on the cross. That does not mean that our, what we're trusting in now is approved of God. That You remember when Peter had to be rebuked by Paul when his fruit was not approved of God. He became, uh, he, he stepped into an act the Bible calls dissimulation, which means hypocrisy. It, it really means respecter of persons. It's sinful. And Paul, under the anointing of the Holy Spirit, had to stand up and in love rebuke Peter and remind him, we're not justified by works, we're justified by the faith of the Son of God. Hallelujah. Isn't that good to know? Who loved us and gave himself for us. So, and let me make this statement today. Many of you have not heard this before, and you need to. It will help you. God's presence is not God's approval. God's presence 
in your life, you being able to sense God's presence, which you have as a Christian. He'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. God forbid that you can't sense His presence. But His presence is not His approval. Peter had God's presence when he stepped into the boat of hypocrisy. Think about it. God's presence in your life, you sensing His presence, is not His approval. Amen. You and I are approved through our faith in the blood of Jesus. But God tells us in His Word through the Apostle Paul, study to show yourself approved. You're loved of God. He he has shed his love abroad in your heart, Romans chapter 5, verse 5. But you and I are here in this world to express that love. We are here to show and to be a proof to the world that there not only is a God, but he's the God of love and has given his son for all. And when one believes upon his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, They're approved by God. The wrath of God is removed from them. They're accepted into the beloved, and the list goes on and on. And when you're saved, you're approved. But God has told us to become students of his word so that we can show ourselves approved. And it doesn't say to men. It says unto God. God knows that you've been approved. He's the one that approved you in Christ, washed away your sins, but he wants you to show yourself in that approval unto him, which is through faith in the truth you acknowledged that saved your soul and allowed him to approve you in his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. See, that's just good basic Bible teaching this morning. These men, Johnnies and Jambres, withstood Moses so do these also resist the truth. Men of corrupt minds reprobate, disapproved concerning the faith. Now I mentioned that you can't be born again until you acknowledge the truth. Listen very carefully. Paul also wrote to Timothy in the last chapter, chapter 2, the last two or three verses there, 24 through 26, and said that God perhaps gives repentance to those who acknowledge the truth. And we all, even Christians, need repentance no matter what the hyper-false grace revolution teaches that we don't need to repent anymore. My Bible in the New Covenant tells me to repent. Hallelujah. Glow, I'm not following men that make up new lies and uh, resistors of the truth. I'm following God's words that are my truth. Hallelujah. So to even repent, one has to acknowledge the cross of Christ, which is the truth and the only grounds for repentance. How about that? You can't be born again without acknowledging the truth. And after you've been born again, if you found been going a wrong way, and most are today because they've left the way of the cross, it is the way of righteousness And that, Peter said, is the holy commandment. 
And if we leave the way of the cross for the way of the purpose driven or the way of government of 12 or the way, or even if we think we're so wise to say, well, yes, it takes the cross, but God has given us these things to go through these things to be able to have the cross to, and all that. That's, that's like saying we got to pray through Mary to get to Jesus to be able to get to the Father. No, Mary's not in the equation biblically to get to the Father. She was a sinner that needed a Savior just like the rest of us. It's the same difference. We, we're going to try to say, yeah, the cross, but we also need, no, Jesus finished the work at Calvary. Amen. And always remember this. When I say Christ and him crucified and anything else, that second and is me eliminating from myself from the grace of God. Read the book of Galatians. You will see it's written there right before you. The Bible here says they, those who resist the truth, shall proceed no further. See, it, it, it also confirms what I just said. When I, as a Christian, or a lost person who's unsaved, when the truth is resisted, that's where you'll be there is no advancement. There is no proceeding into the things of God or farther into the things of God without the acknowledgement of the truth. They shall proceed no further. When truth begins to be resisted, and it is, my friends, when we've got golden calves such as the things men have brought to the table and said, oh, yes, 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 the blood of Jesus, but also no, 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 not also, not also. You need to go back and read Exodus 32 where the people of God built a golden calf right beside the altar. God was not happy. God was angry. God was displeased because it's not the altar and. It's not the cross and. It's the finished work of Christ Period. When we add that and to that, again, we disqualify ourselves from functioning in the place of truth where Christ profits us and he affects us as the truth that he is through what he did at the cross and that alone. They shall proceed no further. They're not going any further. The thought, you know, the devil brings all these thoughts and these phrases into the church. Well, you know, just, just you got to spit out the bad and just hang on to the good. No, my friend. No. The Bible here says, let's go back to verse 5. These people who have a form of godliness, remember, they're resisting the truth. Truth resistors, those who won't just subject themselves to Christ and his way of the cross for their initial salvation or maybe after they've truly been saved to accept that it's still the only way of sanctification. It's still the only object of faith to grow and to receive God's grace daily. Then all they can have is a form. 
All they can have is a form. And, and they can live by feelings and emotions and call it God, that form of God. They can cry and lift hands and run the aisles and jump up and down. There was a church about 30, if not 30 miles from here, one time told me, and I was pastoring Crossway Church, and they told me, if you ever come to our church, you'll never go back to your church. And they were talking about what I would come there and feel what I would come there and sense. Let me tell you something, my friends, where there's a form of godliness, but the truth is being resisted. There are, fe there are things there to be sensed. It's, it's familiar spirits. It's, it's not the spirit of God. Listen, everybody has feelings and emotions. Everybody, the lost, the saved, those in false religions, cults, us who are on the path of righteousness, everybody has feelings and emotions. And if that's what we're being led by, if that's what we're using to try to confirm that God is in our midst, then more than likely we only have a form of godliness while we're denying the power and the direction for those of us who've been corrected, rebuked, and confronted by the Holy Spirit himself and brought back to the way of righteousness, the way of truth, then we are commanded in the Word of God to turn away from those who only have a form. You're sitting in a church. Your pastor, he's heard this message. He's, he's heard how the cross <coughs> pertains to daily living, daily sanctification, daily grace, but yet he's chosen not to go that way. He's chosen not to let go of those things he's held too dear for so long. You may think you have an option <coughs> and you do have a choice, but from God's perspective, he's required that you, child of God, turn away from such. But my family's been in this denomination. But, but that preacher's been in my family from my grandmother, mother, and now my... Now, but that's been our church building and facility for 120 years. But, but, that, but, 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 if they're not opening the Bible and pointing you to Christ and Him crucified, it's time to turn away from such. There's only a form there. There's only a form there. And there's a lot of form among those who are church people today. That's because we've denied the power. And you say, okay, Pastor Curtis, this message of sanctification through faith in the cross, if, 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 what about all the people that's never known this? Well, the sin nature's dominated their lives. The sin nature, if you don't know that the object of faith is the cross of Christ... If you don't know that you have a sin nature, if you don't know that that old man, that sin nature is only put away and made dormant through faith in the cross of Christ and your faith being kept there, then all you could do was be dominated by the sin nature unless in some way you just 
never trusted in yourself or you never trusted in anything other, which is very, very doubtful for even the apostle Paul was found trusting in the commandment coming to him again. He says in Romans 7 and 9, I was alive once without the law. But when the commandment came, the sin nature revived and I died, Romans 7, 9. You need to think about that. How many Christians have lived their entire lives under the dominion of the sin nature because they were saved by grace, but then they were taught their whole lives to try harder, to try harder, to to keep doing these three things. They, They were taught from the pulpits that they sat under and their kids sat under and their grandkids sat under that if you will change what you're doing then God can change your heart. But that was a lie. God doesn't work from the outside in. God works from the inside out. And all I can say about folks like that, it's like asking the question, what about folks over 500 years ago who didn't even have Bibles? I can't answer it. I wasn't there. I don't know how much, I don't know what God was doing or how much of it he was doing. We know he's always had a remnant, even if it wasn't but a handful of folks somewhere. But we don't need to be sitting around asking questions about the past. We need to be looking at what God is offering us today. What God is offering his last day's church, this army he's raising up and which he's promised to pour out his spirit on all flesh. The promise he's given us that knowledge would be increasing in these last days. And that though there would be an increase of knowledge, yet there would be people ever, verse 7, ever learning but never, ever learning but never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Because what they were learning, they were not learning through the avenue of the cross. Their object of faith is not the cross. The messages they're hearing are not the word in its righteous context, which is the cross, the gospel. We can't go from faith to faith unless the righteousness of God is being revealed in the gospel. That's in our Bibles. It's been there all the whole time. It's been written by Paul, Romans 1, 16 and 17 and 18. We can't go from faith to faith unless the righteousness of God is being revealed in the gospel. Yeah, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, but it's not faith that comes if it's not us hearing in the Righteous context of the word. And all God's words are in righteousness. Proverbs chapter 8 verse 8. And righteousness only exists in the person and the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. And again, we've been approved. We've been declared righteous as Christians. But is the fruit of my life approved? We've been sitting around for for so long talking about, well, nobody's perfect and we won't be perfect till we're with the Lord in the heavens. That's absolutely true. But too many times that's an excuse not to grow. Those are excuses not uh, not to deal properly with the conviction of the Holy Spirit. 
The Holy Spirit convicts us of, of sin, convicts us of change needing to take place in our lives. Of, he, he shows us truth and attempts to teach it to us and guide us into it. And all of a sudden, we're, we're, we're declaring, well, nobody's perfect. And we're not going to be perfect till we're with Jesus. And, and, and all these things, well, well, you know, at least I'm better than them. And we might not say that with our lips, but boy, does it pop up. Come on now. It's time to grow. It's time to advance. It's time to march, saints of God. It's time to grow. I don't want to ever be found sitting somewhere where I'm ever learning. Oh, I can quote scripture, but I'm not able to come. The result of what I'm learning is not the truth. Truth liberates. Truth brings about the power of God. Hallelujah. The Holy Spirit brings us to the place where he's able to teach us truth, guide us into that truth with the fruits of that truth, which is the fruits of righteousness. Hallelujah. Ever learning these people who are truth resistors. And again, in our own community, in every community, there are men and women in pulpits who say, we're not following that way of the cross message. The, the, the way of the cross is the only way of God's righteousness. There isn't another. It's narrow. Jesus said there'd be few that find it. That don't mean that there'd be few that hear about it. That means there'd be few that accept it. They've chosen the broad path. Preachers are saying, I'm not going that way. I'm not following those ministers. Same thing had happened in Noah's day. I'm not following that man named Noah who the word of God says was a preacher of righteousness. I'm following my grandfather who's a this or a that. I'm following my uh, aunt who's a this or a that. I'm following the preacher of righteousness. Hallelujah. And only when truth is declared can righteousness be seen. Proverbs 12 and 17. He that speaks truth shows forth righteousness. Righteousness is what Christ offers to us through the cross initially as a, uh, making us righteous in Him and daily bearing forth the fruits of His righteousness. Amen. Without faith in the cross, there's never a righteous status initially because that's the truth of God. Christ and Him crucified. Unless we're maintaining our faith in that work of Christ at Calvary, there can be no fruit. Good deeds do not equal the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Fruits of righteousness equal the fruit of the Spirit. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. So, now these men, they withstood Moses. So do these in these last days that we're living in, resist the truth. They're men of corrupt minds. And a cor see, the church thinks a corrupt mind is just somebody out there perverting children. No, a perverted mind to God is someone who's perverting the truth in any capacity. People, five people gathering on Sunday morning being told that if you'll go do these three things, God will deliver you. Your life will begin to turn around for the glory of God. Listen, and if we're not pointing people to the cross, our minds are corrupt and we're not functioning according to the soberness of mind we were given when we were given that measure of faith. Watch this. Romans chapter 12 verse 3 tells us that we were given the measure of 
of faith. And that's the measure of the faith of the Son of God who loved us and gave himself for us so that we would not think more highly of ourselves than we ought to. It says there so that we can be we can think soberly and not more highly of ourselves than we ought to. Unless we're thinking according to that measure of faith that was given to us based on our trusting in the work of Christ at Calvary, we are thinking more highly of ourselves than we ought to. To think it, takes, it took the cross and me doing something, that is a thought that ex has exalted itself above the knowledge of God and is corrupt in the eyes of God. It is corrupt. And, and the fruit of that, that's what the word reprobate means, it, it means disapproved. Let's look at this. Disapproved, that means the fruit that is in my life is disapproved of God. For me to sit under a minister who's rejected after having heard the way of the cross for any reason given, even that I'm being allowed to teach in the back room, you're still giving your tithes and offerings there. You're a part of the corruption there because you're sowing in to it there. The best thing for that preacher after having heard and yet still rejecting is to watch you or that group of people who know are learning the cross is the way and that's what they should be hearing the word of God taught and preached in the context of. The best thing for that preacher is for you to get up and get out, to turn away as the Bible says from them. You still love them. You still pray for them. You don't treat them ugly. And when asked why you departed, you kindly tell them because we're following the way of the cross, which is the way of righteousness, and there is no other. And all God's words are in righteousness, Proverbs 8 and 8, and the righteousness of God is only revealed in the gospel. Romans 1, 16, Romans 1, 17, 16 through 18. The righteousness of God is only revealed in the gospel, which is who Christ is and what he did at Calvary. It is this narrow, my friends. It's scripture. I know you're not hearing it from some big name on some big channel somewhere, but the question is, are you hearing it from the one who's really offering it to you today? And it's not Pastor Curtis. Do you have ears to hear what the Spirit is saying to you today? Because that's what he's going to give you, my friend. He's going to offer you the truth that will direct you to the narrow way if you're not on it or if he gets you back to it so he can guide you into more truth, then he's going to confirm every day with God's word as the light to that path that you are on the right path. And yes, it will be painful at times. Family won't understand. Long-time ministerial acquaintances won't understand. And they have all kind of negative things to say about you. But when you're following the leading of the Lord, you can see it all throughout the, the, the Bible. When you're following the leading of the Lord, it's going to rub the hair on the cap the wrong way in most of the people's lives that know you. It's going to happen when God leads you to get up and leave Ur of the Chaldees, Abraham, as Abraham did. It's going to rub the hair on the cap the wrong way. When Jacob leaves Laban, it's going to rub the hair 
on the calf the wrong way. When John the Baptist shows up preaching the kingdom of God, behold, the Lamb of God that comes to take away the sin of the world, it's going to rub the hair on the calf the wrong way. Are you in this move of God that is rubbing the hair the wrong way on the religious cats of our day? Not being ugly because some of them who are resisting it now will eventually come along, but most will not. They think they've got too much to give up. They've worked, listen, they've worked too hard to get themselves where they are today. Oh, they've, they've done so much. They've worked so hard to get where they are today. And yet they call themselves apostles, but they don't look at the apostle to the Gentiles called of Christ to be that to us who gave it all up for the sake of just the simplicity of Christ, knowing Christ, preaching and teaching Christ. <laughs> You're, if the Lord's been able to bring you back to the path of righteousness, my friend, it's a marvelous and wonderful and a, it's a great miracle to be surrounded by those who only have a form today but who are resisting the truth. It's a miracle that you and I have been brought by God out of what we've been brought out of even after we've been saved. Just like the Apostle Paul brought out of all that he was involved in. And Paul said he counted it all loss for the gain of the knowledge of Christ. He counted it all lost. That, that doesn't mean he just counted it as gone and goodbye forever. That means he counted it as those things that were robbing him and stealing from him all that time until he acknowledged the truth, which is Christ, the Son of God, and what he did as the Lamb of God. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Don't, don't worry about the naysayers. You're warned of them here. Just find yourself those that God will plant you with and you'll be found truly edifying one another, truly growing in the knowledge and the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. They've called us, those who resist the truth, although they tiptoe around it and, and throw little parts of it in every once in a while, they have to to make themselves look like they're, they're okay too. But listen, they've called us everything from elitists, prideful, People who are preaching the narrow way, so narrow, can't nobody get in. They're going to say that. They're going to say that when you're preaching the truth of God's Word in its righteous context. They're going to say that. They said it when Noah was building the ark. Can you imagine the kids and the grandkids? Daddy, Grandpa, you, do you really believe that if we're not on that boat when... The rain begins that the old man says it's going to rain and flood the earth that God's going to drown us all. Son, grandboy, don't listen to that. Don't listen to that. He's just an elitist. He, he, he just, he, he, he's preaching a way that's so narrow that he's saying God is going to exclude everybody that, that don't get on that boat. Jesus said when he comes, it's going to be just like those days of Noah. Where do you stand today, my friend? Where do you stand today? Are, are, are you learning the truth of God's Word in the context of 
the truth himself, Christ, and what he did at Calvary to become that applicable truth to you, applied to your heart by the Holy Spirit. He doesn't apply the truth to our hearts because we want him to, because we know we need it, because we pray and ask for it. He does it when we're willing to place as the object of our faith the cross of Christ from our hearts and allow him to guide us, lead us into all truth. Hallelujah. Verse 9 says, They shall proceed no further. There's a stopgap there, just as I've been mentioning lately. When, at, when God put Adam and Eve in the garden and gave them the liberty and the freedom to eat of all the trees there, but warned them not to eat off the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, get this today if you've not heard this. There was no end to that. It was wide open. That was eternal. That was eternal. But the moment we, Adam and Eve, we disobeyed God as men, God reached out and put an end. 7,000 year period, an end. Because everything had been tainted. We shall proceed no further than this age God has given to me. We shall proceed no further. This age shall soon come to an end and the Lord himself will create new heavens and a new earth, Isaiah prophesied. And no one even in this time can proceed any further than the resistance of the truth. I don't care how good the music is. I don't care how many programs they have, activities, events, conferences they have. If the truth is not presented which is Christ and Him crucified. It, yes, all of God's words are truth. You need to get this. But they're all in a righteous context and they can't be understood. They, they, they can't be imparted except by the Holy Spirit as truth into our hearts. And when He's speaking the not just declaring God's word, which is true, but he, the Holy Spirit never speaks God's word outside of its truthful context, which always shows a picture of the righteousness of Christ, the fruit of what he did at Calvary. Again, that's Proverbs 12 and 17. We need to understand that. There is no advancement even for the born-again child of God, as long as we've reached out and we're touching some unclean thing, some golden calf, some purpose-driven life, some promise keeper, some accountability program, some, some thing we, that we, we think we need more than the cross. When we're touching these unclean things, we're telling God from our heart that the cross of Christ really wasn't enough. And in that statement, even though we may be deceived, we're saying God's grace is really not sufficient. And I have to be involved in these programs. See, it's very deceitful. The seed is something that looks like it will help me, but the end of that is death. And the end, that me doing something for a move of God is me under the law again. Me believing what Christ did gives me grace, and my declaration will be as the Apostle Paul's that God's grace is sufficient for me. No matter what my situation is, I will be found glorying 
in infirmities, in weaknesses, in trials, in everything because God's grace as I look to the cross and I see what appeared to be Christ's defeat but was in all reality according to the word Him defeating all principalities and powers. Making an open show of them in His cross. Again, do you have ears to hear and eyes to see what the spirit of truth is saying concerning the truth of Christ. They shall proceed no further because their folly shall be manifest unto all men as theirs also was. The folly and the shame of trusting in magic when there is a one true living God is why God calls it folly. That's why God calls them fools. But notice verse 10. He's writing to Timothy. He's writing to the church in Ephesus. He's writing to you and me. But you have fully known my doctrine. Timothy, all this is going on in the last days. All this is going on. And these people are going to have a form of godliness. They're going to be resisting the truth. They're, they're going to be denying the power. But you have fully known my doctrine, my manner of life that comes from this doctrine, my purpose, my faith, my long-suffering, my love, my patience, the, the persecutions I've endured, the afflictions which came unto me at Antioch, at Iconium, at Lystra, what persecutions I endured. But out of them all, out of them all, the Lord delivered me. Out of them all, the Lord delivered me. Now verse, verse 12, yes, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. For the first few years of our ministry, I hadn't done it in a long time. I, every once in a while I would ask our folks here at Crossway Church, does the Bible say that those that live godly will suffer persecution? And they'd say, yes, amen, it does, Brother Curtis. And I'd say, no, it doesn't say that. It says those, listen, that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. The only persecution God blesses and honors and rewards is the persecution of those who are living godly in Christ Jesus. I see a lot of talk about people, uh, Christians being persecuted today and I believe it's true. But I believe a big percentage of that is something that only has a form and is really not even true Christianity. Because you can be persecuted for, for, for being in a cult. You can be persecuted by another cult. Cults persecute each other. It, it's not just Christians that get persecuted, but God honors and blesses and rewards those who are persecuted. God does not reward anybody that's being persecuted in the name of God. 
because they claim they've lived for God and they, they, they were persecuted for their faith. Well, what was their faith? If it wasn't in Christ Jesus, then there will be no rewards. A lot of people have gone to hell who were persecuted and killed for their faith, but it wasn't faith in Christ. Now think about that. You're persecuted, you're criticized and persecuted your entire life for your religious beliefs and then you end up in hell. You end up in hell because your faith was not that in Christ Jesus. Again, religions and cults persecute each other. But God honors and blesses and rewards those who live godly in Christ Jesus. And persecution, hear this today, is guaranteed. This is the message of the cross. It's why when we heard it and, 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 and we chose this is it. And we accepted it. We subjected ourselves. We submitted ourselves to this truth, the way of the cross of Christ, the crucified life where it's not all about me having the last say, building a kingdom here or trying to have a high self-esteem, but rather a high Christ esteem and, and to walk in the footsteps he walked in as, I, as, as Psalms 85.13 tells us that righteousness went before him and has set us in the way of his steps. Hallelujah. I want you to think about this today. Persecution is guaranteed. That's why a lot of people won't come out of these churches where they've, they've accepted to some degree the cross is the answer, but yet they're still sitting there listening to these preachers who are not preaching it. They've not changed their message. And they're justifying why they're still there because they are escaping the persecution that comes with living godly in Christ Jesus. Living godly in Christ Jesus calls for a turning away from those who only have a form of godliness, whether it be Uncle Joe, grandmother, grandfather, whoever it may be, we turn away. We do not submit ourselves. We do not give finances to that which is not the way of the cross. And when that decision is made, criticism is inevitable. Sometimes persecution to some degree, it's going to happen. Those that live godly in Christ Jesus... The Bible doesn't say they might. It says they shall suffer persecution. That's why I encourage all of you who the Lord has been able to bring back to the way of the cross, which is the only way of righteousness, don't leave because times get hard. The message of the cross, the message of who Christ is and what He did at Calvary was, was a way that was not a comfortable way. It never will be comfortable. In a world that's not our world, having a spirit that's not the spirit of this world will always be an uneasy and uncomfortable and a place of criticism and persecution. Even among those who claim to be Christians most of the time, who even if they are saved today in today's last day's church, most only have a form. They've been given, and I'll use this today, and I don't really care who gets mad. We've been given a, a platform such as Facebook and YouTube and, and these other places to express 
the message of truth that God has brought us back to, and yet we forfeit that. We, we forfeit that. Some, some people, the, 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 all they can find themselves to do is like something they see. And maybe that is a first step in, your, in you growing. But my friend, there needs to come a, a growth spurt where you share that, where you begin to hear from God. I saw on social media the other day from a, a post by a man concerning the, the serpent on the pole that God told Moses to put up in the book of Numbers and Jesus declaring that just as Moses put the serpent on the pole in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up and give his life. And this man who's been a Christian 50 years and who I know he loves the Lord, but he's not hearing what he should be hearing. He's in church every week and I won't even give the denomination. But at his comment at the end of those scriptures he gave was that the serpent on the pole was a sign for medical attention in these last days. That, that, was his, that, was, that was it. The sign of the serpent on the pole is a sign for medical healing in these last days. That's not the context that Jesus gave that in. Serpent on the pole was for forgiveness of the sins the people had been found guilty of. And Jesus being lifted up on the cross was for the sins of the people in this world. We need to hear that. And 40, 50 years of Christianity and thinking that the sign of the serpent on the pole was for medical attention in these last days, that's just one, that's just one thing that you can see if you'll start looking of people having sit in places of worship where there's only a form for half a century and longer. We need to hear these things today. All that shall live godly in Christ Jesus, you're going to suffer persecution. This is the reason. This is the reason behind a lot of refusal to acknowledge the truth. And the deception that Satan brings into the church that says if you'll just believe anything written in the Bible, you're acknowledging the truth. It's never the truth if it's acknowledged outside the person and the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. And again, I bring to your attention, I hope you'll look at it, I hope you'll write it down, I hope you'll have ears to hear what the Spirit of God is saying to the church in these last few moments before this age, this era of the times of the Gentiles close. And it's in Exodus 24 verse 8. They read the entirety of the law to the people of God. And then they sprinkled half the blood that was offered on the, on the altar and the other half in basins. And after they read the law and the people declared, we will keep it. And they sprinkled the rest of the blood on the people and everything that was there. And Moses declared this. You need to know this. You need to write this down. Exodus 24 verse 8. Moses declared, Behold the blood of the covenant. He did not say, Behold the words of the covenant. Behold the blood of the covenant the Lord has made with you concerning all these words. The word of God without faith in the cross of Christ and I don't mean your faith yesterday or your faith. I mean the Word of God outside of that context is a misplaced faith 
and faith can't come. You see, the faith that comes through our hearing the Word of God is the faith of the Son of God who loved us and gave Himself for us. And that's the measure, that's the faith unmeasured that we have our measure of faith from. Galatians 2.20, Romans 12.3. Look at those scriptures. Many today are resisting the truth and they're, even, they're not even aware they're doing it. Where you're hearing the truth, you need to be helping spread the truth. This message of the cross is not just one thing that God is doing out of many. This is the only avenue through which He's doing anything He's doing among men, in men, for His glory. For we're not under the law of Moses. We're not under the law of doing. We're under a new great high priest, Jesus Christ Himself, And when the priesthood changed from the Levitical, Aaronic priesthood to the Melchizedekian priesthood, not only did the priesthood change and become eternal to never change again, but the law changed. And the new law, the law of the new covenant that's eternal, is the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus who has made us free from the law of sin and death. That's Romans 8 and 2. We're under a new law. Nevertheless, we abide still by law. That law is not what we do. That law is faith in Christ and what He did, and that is the law in which the Spirit of God works. We do not put God in a box. God has confined Himself to a narrow place Jesus said few would find, few would receive, but they would yet choose that broad way that has a form while denying the narrow way of the truth. God is bringing a remnant back to faith and grace. God is saving a remnant of the church just as He will save the remnant of Israel in the last few moments of this age before He establishes His kingdom on this earth, and we reign with Him as priests and kings. You need to hear that. He is saving a remnant of His church just as He is saving a remnant of His people when He comes and saves them in that final moment when they are about to be utterly annihilated. He comes and He saves the remnant of Israel. He is saving a last day's remnant of His church. You come back to the way of the cross and your faith remains there, there will be oil in your lamps when He comes for you. Hallelujah. Glory to God. What a great broadcast today. God's light shining into a dark world and a troubled church in these last days. I encourage you to help us share these broadcasts. It's as easy to hit the share button as it is the like button. It's as easy for you to begin to share your own truth that God is giving you to walk in concerning Christ and Him crucified and His wonderful words of life. Never forget that we live by faith. And faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. That's Romans 10 and 17. But Leviticus 17 11 tells us that the life is in the blood. Therefore, you can never separate God's Word from the blood Jesus Christ shed at Calvary. For He was the living Word 
shedding that pure blood that would save us and sanctify us and set us apart to reflect Him all the days of our lives. And we can serve Him in righteousness and holiness all the days of our lives without fear because He has delivered us from the hands of the enemy. Praise God. We're praying for you. Don't forget to pray for us. Don't forget to tune in each Friday morning for our broadcast, Cross Time with Pastor Curtis here in the book of 2 Timothy. Mondays and Thursdays at 8.30 a.m. We are broadcasting presently in the book of Hebrews, being blessed tremendously. I encourage you to be a part of these broadcasts. You can watch later as they're uploaded at thecrosswaychurch.com on the website or the YouTube channel, Curtis Hutchinson 316. I encourage you, sow into good ground where you're hearing the truth of the gospel. You'll be blessed. You can do that on the website. Again, it's thecrosswaychurch.com or you can give on your smartphone by texting the word GIVE to the number 903-231-5950. Again, I love you. God bless you richly in this great truth of Christ and Him crucified. And until next time, stay determined to know absolutely nothing but Christ and Him crucified. See you then.